You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans, and welcome to the same old Dolphin show sponsored by BetUS, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker with me today, and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Hello, Brain. How was your weekend? Did you have a nice weekend? Overall, it was a, it was a very pleasant weekend. Aside from you know the three hours or so that was spent Sunday afternoon watching essentially you know the same thing that I've watched for the past twenty years. Yeah, pretty disappointing. It was a very same old Dolphins kind of performance on Sunday, wasn't it? And it was yeah, it was for me also a very good weekend. Ran in a five k this weekend, my first organized five k that I ran in, which was which was good. Did it in uh, sub twenty seven minutes, which is pretty good for me. Uh, I was pretty pleased with that, and uh, you know, it was it was just shaping up to be a good weekend. Had to went to the pumpkin patch with the family. We all went out, got some pumpkins for the house. It was shaping up to be a pretty good autumnal weekend. And then the Dolphins came out and just did what the Dolphins do sometimes, which is just break your heart and make you sad. And uh, as uh, as Darius Rucker once said famously, I'm just, I'm such a baby because the Dolphins make me cry. And they made me cry because they did a very, they did a very Vegas thing. You know, they got out to, they got you all excited, got you started up with some, with some, uh, you know, winning, got, you got up early, got to take a nice lead in a nice 14 point lead. And then very slowly, you just kind of let it all slip away and you just watch it slowly bleed away, bleed away, bleed away. And then you make a comeback and then you end up losing it all in the end anyway. So, you know, other than that, it was a great weekend. <laughs> Yeah. And then and then after that, once I put that to bed, you know, wifey and I, we watched, you know, what I think are the the two best shows on on TV right now, which is The Real Housewives of Potomac and The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I love Real Men Watch Bravo. Real Men Watch Bravo. Is that a hashtag? Yes. Hashtag Real Men Watch Bravo. My goodness. How about that? How about that? Well, yeah, a lot of people are disappointed with what the Dolphins did this weekend, and you can't really blame them. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at that game, and we're going to look at it from a couple different ways. We're going to first give our natural reaction to it, which I think is pretty angry, and what you want to do is just completely overreact and and be negative about it because I think that's what it does. And then we're going to stop, and we're going to take a step back, and I'm going to ask you, Brain, to take a look at it from a positive perspective 
and the optimist perspective, because I'm usually the one that drinks the Kool-Aid and, and, and tries to be optimistic. Tonight, that's going to be you as we record live on Monday night. Mm. And then uh, and then we're going to try to see if we can't figure out where things actually stand in real life uh, after this game. Because, you know, it, it's not usually as bad as the doom and gloomers want to say, and it's usually not as all all sunshine and rainbows like some of the optimists want to be want to make it feel it's probably somewhere in the middle and uh so that's what we're going to try to figure out we're going to try to figure out what the way is forward but first a reminder to everybody to make sure that you are following the show on twitter at same old dolphins follow me at amplified to rock and follow him at Aaron the Brain. That's at Aaron the Brain. And make sure that you are subscribed to the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. Don't just be subscribed, though. Also, turn on the notifications so that you get notified every time we go live on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel. We appreciate that very much. So make sure that you do that. Uh, let's see. What else? What else, Brain? Uh, oh, download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever your podcast provider is. Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure that you leave us a positive rating and a positive review. It helps us out a great deal. Thank you in advance for everybody that is about to do that right now while you're listening live. Right All right, now. Brent. So let's let's do it. Let's Let's get into this. How bad, how mad are you after this game? Wait, I thought am I being the positive one? Or? Not yet, not yet. We're gonna oh. we're gonna go negative first. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you. Uh, you know, we're gonna. I'm gonna let you shoot from the hip here before I make you do your optimist gimmick. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty pissed off. Uh, because you know this was a complete failure for the second week in a row and and you know a lot of people are gonna sugarcoat things because this. Uh, you know, we were in overtime and, you know, we had op- an opportunity to potentially win this game or at least make it a tie. And they're going to look at the Raiders and they're going to overblow the Raiders and how good the Raiders are, even though they're not that good. They're really not. I mean, they're good, but they're not that good. Hey, they're 3-0. and Yeah, they're 3-0 and because uh, because the Dolphins... Uh, you know, lost a game that, that frankly, the, the Dolphins should have, the Raiders gave them every opportunity to win, uh, and the Dolphins just weren't good enough to win it. Uh, but the problem is that obviously we know that the offense sucks. We know that there are limitations on the offensive line, and that's not going anywhere. Obviously, we were with our backup quarterback, and Jacoby Brissett has his own limitations, but I thought he played a very gutsy game, although, Jacoby Brissett is like the you thought Chad Henney checked down. I mean, Jacoby Brissett checks down. I mean, more than any quarterback that I've ever seen. And there were opportunities for him to take some shots down the field that he didn't uh, because he just holds on to the ball too long, isn't very decisive, doesn't trust his eyes, and is afraid of making a mistake. Um, but that's can, can we talk about? Wait, before we move on from that, can we just you you just served up the opportunity. For, listen, I don't like to swear on this show. We try to keep it clean. We try to keep it a, a, a family show, okay? But this game featured the single biggest piece of football dumb fuckery I have ever seen. I, I was getting there. I was getting there. Oh, yeah. That, uh, that, that talk play about it. in the end Talk zone. about that stupid play in the end zone. Yeah. Sorry for swearing, all, I mean, everybody, but that... We're, the, pro football focus had a stat. Uh, do you have this stat, the, what Pro Football Focus tweeted out? 
That, I don't know what Pro fo- Football Focus tweeted out, but I've got that. I have a I have a fact about it that it is that that safety in the in this game on Sunday is the first safety in NFL history that happened on a completed pass exactly. that didn't involve a fumble or a penalty. Exactly. In their entire play database since they've recorded plays, that was the only time that a safety has happened on a completed pass that didn't have a fumble or a penalty. Just, Just insanity. absolutely ludicrous that you would throw a pass three yards deep in your end zone. Uh, it just, it, it's, it's just brutal. It's just absolutely brutal. Uh, and and, and the, the thing about it is, is that we can all get on the offensive coordinators and then we can say, well, Brian Flores does a good job at this and Brian Flores is a good coach. Brian Flores is responsible for this coaching staff. He is Brian it's Flores absolutely right. Has put this coaching staff together and we're in the third year of him being the head coach and we're on our fourth offensive line coach, we're on our fourth our third and fourth offensive coordinators because we had this huge decision to make in the offseason about what to do at offensive coordinator and he made the unprecedented decision of hiring co-offensive coordinators which everybody kind of scratched their head on but then everybody said you know said well I guess we'll give him the benefit of the doubt we'll see how it goes well look at the end of the day that was a strange decision and it through three games has the entire fan base calling this coaching staff out and saying we need to fire the offensive coordinator that is on Brian Flores I don't care how good of a head coach he is He's responsible for putting this coaching staff together, and it seems painfully clear at this point that no matter how much he uh, knows what he's doing on the defensive side of the ball and putting that side of the staff together and putting players together, they have no clue what they are doing on the offensive side of the ball. They have no clue how to build an offensive line. They have no clue what they're doing as far as a play call, a play calling, offensive coordinating. I don't know what they did all off season in trying to install this thing. They, you don't have the excuse that you had last year of COVID and you didn't have guys in the room. They had the whole off season they had the full mini camp and training camp to put all this thing together and they haven't been able to figure out figure it out it's all taken a step back and here's what's worse the defense ain't that great either the defense has taken a major step back right now granted it is early and they were not playing at a very high level at the beginning at this time last season either. So there is time for them to improve. But that said, everybody expected with you bringing X back, you brought in other guys, you supposedly Kyle Van Noy was part of the problem. I didn't realize he was part of the problem, but they, they, they decided he was part of the problem so much so that they decided to cut him after, you know, a year after signing him to a three year, $51 million contract. They brought in Bernardrick McKinney. They decide, ah, he wasn't good enough either. So we cut him. And now everybody's saying, well, we're relying too much on young players. Well, you brought in veterans and you just jettisoned them. And the Dolphins defense that was tops in the league at third down defense last year is dead last. So yeah, we're great at turning the ball over and that's great. But through three weeks, we've been awful at getting off the field on third down. And this defense is not doing, look, look, it's, it's tough to belabor the point on the defense because the offense is so bad, but 
the defense has been getting this pass for the first two weeks of the season because the offense is so bad and everybody say, well, the defense is what's keeping us alive. The defense is what's giving us hope. But the defense had opportunities in this game both at the beginning of the second half to stem the tide and get, and and slow down the Raiders' momentum, and then again at half, I mean, and then again in overtime to at the very least force a tie. I mean, the Raiders get the ball to start overtime. They let them drive all the way down the field and get points. Granted, they stopped them to a field goal. Okay, great. The Dolphins. It was a it was a miracle that the Dolphins were able to to tie this game up in overtime and and get a field goal. At that point, you had to feel pretty good that the defense was just going to make one stop. Just make one stop to ultimately get a tie. You come out of this game with a tie and that would that would have been a steal. You know, it's not hockey and soccer where you you get a point for a tie. But you essentially do because it's not a win or a loss. In hockey or soccer, that would have been called stealing a point. This would have been an absolute steal of a tie. And the defense blew it. They let the Raiders go all the way down the field. And I don't want to hear that they were tired. The offense gave them a plenty of rest. Between the end of of the fourth quarter where the Dolphins had two or three long drives... And uh, then their overtime drive, the defense had more than enough opportunity to rest. They should not have been tired. They just flat out were soft. They were soft. And we've seen this show before, and I've seen it for the last 20 years. This team just isn't that good. Yeah, I think that's plain and simple. They, They just look like, quite frankly, the same old Dolphins. Yeah. I mean, if you've if you've been a Dolphin fan for any number any number of years, we've seen this. How many times have you seen it where the Dolphins offense struggles and sputters and the defense does enough to keep the the team in the game? And then finally the offense comes to life and then the defense can't you know, finish the deal, right? It's you, it's literally what we built the show on. It's literally it. It's literally it. And and this is what happened. You know, the defense, and, and to be fair, the defense did a great job of keeping the Dolphins in the game at the end after they had given up a lot of a lot of uh, yardage and let the, the Raiders move the ball. And let's be fair, the Raiders did, did played some pretty good football here as well. Derek Carr, as, some, as much as some of those ugly little floater passes that he went up there were somehow finding the spot, their receivers were doing a good job getting open. And and quite frankly, I think the Dolphins defensively did a nice job shutting down Darren Waller so that he wasn't the guy that beat them, in fairness. But at the same time, you know, you're relying on your defense to come up there and make a big play, make a big stop at the end. And, you know, it, we couldn't get it done. And twice the Raiders were able to go down the field and kick a field goal. Once to score first and the second time to win the game. Pretty disappointing. But let's go back to the offense again for a moment because we got to talk about this too. These offensive coordinators, right? George Godsey, Eric Studisville, right? These are these are the new offensive coordinators, the co-offensive coordinators, right? They're gonna they're gonna be the revolution. Take us back to the draft. Where did the Dolphins? Where were the Dolphins originally supposed to pick in this past draft? Third. Right. And then what happened? We traded down to 12 and then up to six. We traded back up to six. What did we do with that sixth pick? Jalen Waddle. 
What were what was the goal and what was everybody so fired up about when the Dolphins drafted Jalen Waddle? Big plays. Big plays. Stretch the field, right? Get downfield. Make big plays happen. Do you know what Jalen Waddle's average depth of target is this season? Was it like four yards? It is like 4.4 yards. Can I read you a stat? Jalen Waddle of the Dolphins produced the lowest receiving yards total for any non-running back with 12 or more catches in a single NFL game since stats started being kept in 1950. 12 receptions for 58 yards. It's impressive. What are they doing? With Jalen, and this was the, this was me laughing so hard, like I couldn't help but laugh when the Dolphins, after doing underneath shot, underneath shot, underneath shot, you know, screen underneath, whatever, check down to the running back, finally take a deep shot in this game against the Raiders. Who was the target? Mac Hollins, <laughs> a you team with Jalen <laughs> Waddle. Devontae Parker and Will Fuller throws their first downfield shot of the game to Mac Hollins. You you gotta zig when they zag, man. I mean, yeah, you gotta keep them, you gotta keep these people on their toes, I suppose. But I mean, my God. I mean, this is just like I don't know. And and let we could let's uh, I'll try to be fair here, right? We got one game of Tua, who the offense was built for this year, okay? We got one game in New England, and New England played a game defensively where it was all about, you know, the Dolphins were going to have to find a way to, to win small. The, the, the Patriots were not going to allow the Dolphins to stretch the field, and the Dolphins didn't have Will Fuller at their disposal in that game, right? So then we've got this Buffalo game, and Tua is knocked out of the game on the second possession because the offensive line is another train wreck, which we'll get to shortly. Uh, so the Dolphins play most of their second game of the season and all of the third game of the season without their primary quarterback, right? Without their starting quarterback who the offense was built for. So in that respect, I get it. But like, shouldn't your backup quarterback be prepared to come in and run the offense? Why are they doing dink and dunk, dink and dunk? Why is, why is Jacoby Brissett ending the game 32 of 49 for 215 yards. Yeah. Well, I, I think that part of it, I, I, there's multiple answers to this. Uh, the one, one clear answer is just after what happened against Buffalo, they put an emphasis on we need to, we need to block. We need to have multiple tight ends in there and we're going to throw short passes because we're not going to have a bunch of deep drops and just invite the Raiders to just tee off on our quarterback. Uh, so that, that's part of it. Part of it is by design. Uh, another part of it is just, you know, Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett is is the type of quarterback that is not going to see things and trust his eyes and just let it rip. He's not this gunslinger like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or even like a Tua because Tua has that in him as a guy that, you know, will take some shots even though some might be ill-advised. Jacoby Brissett is, is very much a careful, 
guy. He's a, you know, hold on to the ball as long as he can and make the sure pass. And more often than that, more often than not, that's the four yard pass. And that's not necessarily on the play caller. That's, uh, you know, there are deep options and Jacoby Brissett, you know, sometimes those are open and he's just not seeing them fast enough and he's just opting to take the short route. That's part of the problem. That's part of the deal with Jacoby Brissett. But when your average depth of target <laughs> is four yards with, with Jalen Waddle, that also goes to usage. Uh, that, that shows that they are, they're more worried about getting Jalen Waddle the ball two yards from the line of scrimmage in space than they are trying to get Jalen Waddle the ball downfield, uh, you know, getting him the ball in the air. That's just a matter of choice. Uh, by the offensive coordinator. Um, so uh, that's something that, you know, maybe it looks a little bit different if you've got Tua in there. Uh, it certainly would look a lot different if you had a better offensive line. But the fact of the matter is, is that this whole thing is being coordinated by two guys that don't have very much experience and were questionably high, were questionable hires at the beginning and haven't really done anything to prove that it was a good decision because this offense looks like it's taken a step back. Uh, so you, you just can't feel good about anything on the offensive side of the ball right now. And you also can't feel good that you finally got Will Fuller making his debut and the game ended with him on the sidelines because he was on the ground hurt, which is one of the biggest criticisms of Will Fuller over his entire career is that he can't stay on the field. And we don't know how healthy Will Fuller's going to be going forward. Yeah, it well, it did sound like uh, from the press conference today, it didn't sound like today that there was anything too alarming regarding Will Fuller. But uh, so hopefully he'll he'll still be out there come Sunday for this game against Indianapolis, which we'll talk about later this week. But uh, listen, something a couple people have brought up here in in the comments, and I guess it would be uh, the right thing to do to talk about it because it was certainly a big talking point, particularly on Twitter right after the game is uh, people were laying into the referees in this game brain because of a couple of missed pass interference calls, particularly the one on Will Fuller, the play where he got hurt at the end of the game. Now you're, you're shaking your head here. You're, you're, you don't want to hear it. You don't want to talk about the, the leaving it in the hands of the refs. Uh, I mean, it was, kind of obviously pass interference but it was it was close when you watch it live and that's when the refs make the you know have to make the call obviously an NFL referee you would hope that he's going to get that call correct he doesn't it clearly there were clearly was contact but it's the end of the game you got to make a play I I, I don't want to hear this narrative I don't oh. want to hear this narrative that the refs cost us the game and that the Dolphins win the game if the refs make this call. The Dolphins had no business even being in this football game. The, the Dolphins were bailed out so many times in this football game for us to even have a shot at the end to tie the game up. So the fact that we were even there was lucky. You, you can't have everything go your way. At the end of the day, at some point... You've got to make a play. And what I saw in this game was the 50-50 plays that needed to be made, it was the Raiders making those plays all game long, and it wasn't the Dolphins making them. And the only time the Dolphins uh, were able to make a play like that, by and large, it was because of the refs. 
It was it was because of some stupid penalty. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. I don't want to hear it because if if you're going to sit here and you're going to delude yourself into thinking that the Dolphins should be two and one right now because the the refs somehow cost us this football game, then I got sour news for you, Jack. Tenacious oh, D reference right there. There you go. That's good. I, I, I like it. We like a Tenacious D reference on the show. We like it. I got sour news for you, Jack. You're going to be all excited when this team is 9-5 and five or 8-6 and six coming down the stretch this year and in the thick of the playoff race and thinking that everything is going well when we win something like 7 out of 9 against the soft middle of our schedule only to watch this thing come crashing down because at the end of the day, we're not that good. This team, yes, could we be 2-1 and one if the referees, if, if a couple of calls went our way? Yeah, we absolutely could be. We could also be 0-3 if the Patriots don't fumble inside the five-yard line in week one. And honestly, I think we're closer to 0-3 than we are 2-1. and one. Well, all right. Okay, let's take a breather. Let's take a breather. Let's do a Manscaped ad read, okay? Let's do an ad read for Manscaped. And then we're going to take a look at some things from a little bit of a different perspective. Sound good? Sure. All right, here we go. Folks, it's it's important that everybody know that if you're going to take care of yourself below the waist, you know, when it comes to grooming anyway, that Manscaped is the place to go. You go to manscaped.com, use the promo code Dolphins Talk. You get 20% off. You get free shipping. You get the lawnmower 4.0. You get the crop reviver. You get the crop uh, the crop toner, the the ball, whatever, wherever, all the products, all the liquid formulations. They got the good. They got the good cologne that smells really nice, right? You get the boxer briefs. You get the nose and ear hair trimmer. You get all of that, okay? And then you put in the promo code Dolphins Talk. You save twenty percent. You get free shipping. The the stuff it arrives at your house. You can apply it. You can use it. You can make yourself look presentable, and. All of the ladies or men or other in your life are going to be very pleased about your below the belt situation. And at the end of the day, it's important that you thank the fine folks at Manscaped. And you do that because you use the promo code Dolphins Hockey, save 20% off and you got free shipping. And remember, look, at, listen, at the, towards the end of that game, we were talking about this Dolphins team for as, as lousy as they were for a lot of it. Boy, they sure showed a lot of cojones to come back from 11 down in the fourth quarter. And if you're going to have big cojones, you might as well take care of them with Manscaped. So use the promo code DOLPHINSTOCK. You save 20% off. You'll get free shipping. And uh, quite frankly, your balls will thank you. So, Brain, listen, I get I get some slack from you know, a certain segment of our, of our followers that, uh, you know, they say, they say I drink too much of the Kool-Aid and I, and I'll, I'll admit that sometimes I, I drink the Kool-Aid a little bit too easily. Okay. Sometimes it happens. And I, I, I get accused of being too optimistic sometimes, which I, I kind of sometimes find laughable, but sometimes I think there's, there's, there's a little bit of truth to it. Okay. So now we're going to turn the tables a little bit. And I'm going to ask you to be the optimist, okay? 
I want you to put on the aqua and orange tinted glasses. And I want you to make the optimist case for why all of the stuff that we talked about in the first segment of the show was really not that bad. And why the sky is not falling and why if you're a Miami Dolphin fan, you can still cheer for this team and still feel optimistic that come the end of week 18, that your Miami Dolphins will still be there or thereabouts when it comes to the AFC playoff picture. Give me the optimist's rosy perspective. Well, look, when the schedule came out, it was very clear the the toughest part of the of the schedule was the first five games then there was this middle part of the schedule for about nine games where there's a couple of tough games against you know Baltimore and Buffalo and I don't think many people were counting Carolina to be a tough game I still am not necessarily counting Carolina to be a tough game except for the fact that the Dolphins don't look very good so you can't really assume anything is a victory but that said I think most people were saying, if you can come out of the first five games at two and three, you know, then you you go into that stretch of nine games where there's a good shot at going at least six and three, if not seven and two in that nine games. And then you're coming out of it, you're eight and six or nine and five going into the final three games of the season. You're literally right there. Uh, and... I don't think that's any different. Uh, we've got a home game coming up against an 0-3 Colts team whose offense looks just as bad as ours. Um, th- that feels like, it's hard to say that anything feels like a win, but it feels like that's going to be a win. Now, granted, we could be sitting here next week and if you lose that game, the panic meter is on 10 and we're, we're, we're going nuts. But you find a way to win that game Nobody's expecting us to go into Tampa and beat the Patriots, beat Tom Brady. But you come out of this two and three, and it's all right there. The other thing is the the Dolphins have done this the last two years where they've played poorly at the beginning of the season. Last year, the Dolphins were one and three, and everything everybody said the sky was falling. And, uh, you know, we ended up going on this tear uh, that ended up putting us in position to— you know, where we were in position to make the playoffs at the end of the year. Now we blew a, a a stupid game against Denver last year. And ultimately that was the difference. And, you know, we had an opportunity at the end of the season at Buffalo and everybody knows how that one turned out. But the fact is the Dolphins were there at the end of the season and the, the beginning of last season went about as bad as it could have gone. So we're, we're not in a dissimilar situation. And then the other thing to look at is, I mean, you know, have we looked bad the last two weeks? Sure. But with our backup quarterback on the road against a Raiders team that is pretty good, the Dolphins were right in that game. I mean, we were in over, we literally were in overtime and we were a couple of minutes away from it ending in a tie. So it's, it's, it's not like we got blown out could have gotten blown out, but it's it's not like we did. We were right there. And if one or two things goes different, we're at two and one and everybody is, you know, even though things, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be sitting here and calling us some great team. People would be looking at things a lot differently. So it's not the end of the world. And I think very much 
you know, it's early in the season and I think there are a lot of goals that the Dolphins have that we all have as fans of this team making the playoffs that are still very much up, that are still very much there for this team to accomplish. And I don't think they just suddenly go away because we lost uh, this road game against the Raiders that quite frankly, I think even, even the most optimistic optimistic Dolphin fan going into the season would have said that's a 50-50 game going into the into the season so it's it's not that bad yeah I I I, and I think there are there are some good points to be made there and among those points are we've seen this with the Dolphins in each of Brian Flores' first two seasons that the team starts slow and really improves down the stretch and that's where they hit their stride and they really become you know the team that you want them to be. They they really sort of have a slow start and turn it on late. And that has been, that's the pattern of Flores' teams. And that was the pattern for a lot of those really great New England Patriots teams. So sure, there is every possibility that that things could turn around. And, and you'll remember that the last couple times the Dolphins made the playoffs, they actually had slow starts. And the last couple times that the Dolphins had really great starts to the season, undefeated streaks and all of that, things fell off and they ended up, I think, even finishing under 500. So obviously you want to you want to bank the wins where you can, and it's important to do that early. And it's disappointing that the Dolphins didn't do that in a game that was like a kind of seen as a 50-50 game, this one here, but they didn't. And, you know, it, that's, it happens. It happens. But now you got to come back and you have an imminently winnable game against the Indianapolis Colts, who have a quarterback with the maximum number of sprained ankles, right? He's got two sprained ankles. You couldn't possibly have more sprained ankles than Carson Wentz have. Uh, you watch them in that game against Tennessee this weekend. The guy can hardly move. They just lost their all-pro guard, Quentin Nelson, who's going to be out for that game. So you've got a week. You got a week four matchup that looks pretty good, right? You should be able to win that game. Now, listen, you lose that home game to Indianapolis. <laughs> we got to have another conversation. But then you win that game, and then you go into your your fifth game of the season uh, against Tampa Bay, against the defending world champs, knowing that Tom Brady, for some reason, tends to struggle against the Dolphins on occasion. It's a thing. They somehow have Tom Brady's number. And I mean, you're really playing with house money in that game anyway, because nobody is expecting the Dolphins to go to Tampa and win. Right. So and then after that, you get your starting quarterback back, hopefully, and you can go to you can go to London and, uh, you know, have a glorified home game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, where you're probably going to pick off Trevor Lawrence six times. So listen, Maybe the sky is not falling. Maybe there is lots of reason to be optimistic, right? The offense finally started to click late in the game. Maybe they're starting to figure a few things out. And maybe, you know, that's going to carry over into this game against Indianapolis. And you'll see the Dolphins play some good offense from the outset. They started to run the ball. They've had success. Maybe they'll continue to do that and get Miles Gaskin involved. This is the optimistic point of view. Right. Anything else in your brain, in your mind as a as an optimist? Hey, the offensive line wasn't as bad against Las Vegas as they were against Buffalo. That's optimistic. I mean, it would have been hard for them to be much worse than they were against. We, Buffalo. we ran the ball pretty well. Yeah. So that's good. These are reasons for optimism. Yeah. We had a pick hey, six. Yeah. We got a pick six. A Landon Roberts. Took it to the house, 82 yards. 
25 on straight where, on the field where he was carted off at the end of last season. Right. So it was a little little redemption for Landon Roberts. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's a good, you know, so that's good, right? That, that's good. But listen, you could sit here and uh you could you could put on the aqua and orange flavored uh, uh uh colored glasses and quite frankly the truth probably lies somewhere in between that optimistic perspective and the the really kind of negative overreaction. So I think if we, if you look at it from a realistic point of view, we've got to try to find that middle ground. Where is this team really as they walk away from this pretty uh, sour defeat in Vegas? From a realistic standpoint, where do you think these guys are? To quote the great Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. Hmm. They are the same old Dolphins. They are, I mean, not to be cliche, but this is what they are. Like, this is a mediocre football team. Uh, They're going to have times where they look good. They're going to have times where they look bad. Uh, They're going to play to the level of their opponents a lot. They're going to probably play a lot of close games. Uh, And I fully expect that we're going to see what what I what I'm talking about with the with the soft middle of this, I think we're going to be two and three, go through the first five. We're going to hit that soft middle of the schedule, and we're gonna the the team's going to play better. The defense is going to gel, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna go on a stretch because the schedule is poor, and you've got two games against the Jets, and you've got the Giants, and you've got the Falcons, and you've got uh, do we play the Bengals this year? I don't know, but we we've got just you know, just a very easy, soft middle of the schedule. And we're going to go on a run and we're going to end up finding ourselves coming into the last three weeks of the season at either eight and six or nine and five with everything to play for. The thing is, is that before this season started and I was feeling pretty good about what this defense was going to be and uh, Tua making the jump, and he still could. I mean, I don't want to just just jump all over Tua after a game and like what four plays or whatever. Look, it was if there's if there's one it. person, but, if but the fact of the fact is is that at the beginning of the season, I I felt like this team would be in a spot where they would be able to make that jump. And we could find ourselves going 10 and 7 or 11 and 6 and making the playoffs. The problem is, one, this team isn't as good as I thought they were going to be. Um, it, granted, it's early, but I don't, I just, until they show me otherwise, I just don't, I don't believe it. I just don't think that they're, that they're there yet. There's too many question marks. And two, I think the rest of the AFC, there are too many other good teams that I think are better than the Dolphins. Uh, I think, look, the, the Chiefs are obviously struggling right now, but I don't think, I don't think we're better than the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to make the playoffs. Uh, the Raiders right now look like a playoff team. You look at the AFC North, Baltimore and Cleveland are playoff teams. The Bills are obviously going to win this division. The Titans are obviously going to win their division. That only leaves one playoff spot. So you're, you're talking about the Dolphins, the Steelers, the Patriots, the Broncos, the Chargers. Um, I mean, not a lot of those teams inspire a lot of confidence, but I would say the Chargers right now look better than the Dolphins. And I don't know that the Dolphins are better than any of those other teams. 
Um, so it's just going to be a, a very much an uphill. I just don't expect this team to make the playoffs. And I just think until this team actually shows that they are a playoff team, I don't think we should expect this team to make the playoffs. And I don't think that we should expect uh, this offense to all of a sudden uh, take this big jump because Tua gets out there. Because honestly, Tua hasn't shown it yet. And this offensive line hasn't shown it yet. So to, to expect just because we, we upgraded our receiver room that all of a sudden this offense is going to be better than last year. A big, a big part of when the Dolphins offense was actually playing well last year was Ryan Fitzpatrick. And the yeah. Dolphins won a lot of games in the middle of the season because the defense and the special teams won them games. Uh, I think that's what's going to have to happen. But right now, I don't know that this defense is as good as it was last year because I think they're missing a guy like Kyle Van Noy right now. Um, and I think teams are a little bit on to what the Dolphins are doing schematically that maybe they weren't on to last year when the Dolphins had kind of broken out a whole new defense with a whole bunch of new defensive players and you had COVID and all of those other distractions. I think that teams have a book on what the Dolphins are doing right now defensively. And even though I do think that at the end of the day, I think we're going to have a good defense. I don't know that it's fair to expect us to have the the same kind of defense that we had last year that was, you know, top five in the league in scoring defense. Yeah, and if it's I not, think it, we're not going to make right. the playoffs. Yeah, and I think you're right. And I think it makes sense. And it, it goes along with, uh, you know, all of the research that is out there that says that defensive performance one year is not predictive of what that defense is going to do the following year. It's just not. So it shouldn't be surprising that the Dolphins defense would regress some after they had such a dominant year last year. Now, they're continuing to take the ball away, which is really great, and they are continuing to do some things right. But, you know, it makes sense that... And I and I kind of thought going into the season that there was a decent chance that the defense would take a step back and that what the Dolphins needed was for that offense to take a big step forward. And thus far in the season, that has just absolutely not materialized in any way, shape, or form. So there's a long way to go. We've got a question here uh, from from YouTube, from Cap for Life. Serious question, guys. What do we do? <laughs> Listen, if I knew the answer to that question, I'd be the general manager of the Miami Dolphins right now. What you do is, look, at this point, you got what you got. We know what Angry uh, Al would do. Fire Greer. <laughs> he would fire Greer, fire but, Flores, but fire Godzi. help anything right now. Fire Stephen that Ross. That might help in the long run. It's not going to help anything right now. As far as what this team needs to do, look, th there were some areas of improvement. They ran the ball better. The pass protection was not quite as bad this week. Um, they need to continue to get better. It's look at what look at what they did last year. After starting so poorly, everybody said, "Well, what do we do?" And it's not like they did anything drastic. They just got better. They need to. First off, I'll tell you one thing that they have to do. This team has been one of the least penalized teams in the, in the NFL the last two years. And the last two weeks has completely lost their discipline. They just stupid penalties. The, these personal foul penalties, the oh, yeah. lack of attention to detail. Like this team has gone the little things. It's the little things that this yep. team 
uh, did the last two years that made them overachieve that they're not doing now that is making them underachieve. You get back to doing the little things and the big things will take care of itself because at the end of the day, this team has enough talent to be there at the end. Uh, at Let the, me ask I you mean, this. Let me ask you this, Bryn. When we talk about the teams, and I'm going to use the traditional 16-game schedule, but when we talk about the teams that are 10 and 6, 9 and 7, 8 and 8, 7 and 9, right? 6 and 10, maybe. We talk about that's that clump of teams in the middle, right? Right. And that those teams, the difference between that 10 and 6 and that 9 and 7 team and the 7 and 9 team and the 6 and 10 team, the differences are in the margins, right? It's the little things. It's it's the teams that manage to get a little lucky, perhaps. They get a little lucky. They get a couple bounces of the ball. They get a couple of, uh, you know, the refs make a couple decisions that help them out, you know. And, and that ref luck, listen, that balances out over the course of a season. You get some calls. You miss some calls. It happens, right? It balances itself out. But at the end of the day, the difference is the teams that are disciplined that maybe don't have as much talent as some of those other teams. They're not shooting themselves in the foot versus those teams that maybe have a bit more talent, but constantly do stupid things, whether it's penalties or quite frankly, coaching decisions. Those are the kinds of differences that can cost, that can take a 10 and six team and turn them into an eight and eight team. It's that kind of stuff. And right now, those little things are things that are hurting the Dolphins. You know, they're, those doing those little things right are the difference between giving up a first down when it's second or third and long and not giving up that first down and getting off the field and giving your offense the ball back. Those are the little things. That, it's those differences. And right now, the Dolphins need to clean that up because they're an undisciplined bunch. And... Brian Flores, a flag, uh, you know, uh, one of the trademarks of his teams has been that they've been disciplined. And this year, they've taken a noticeable step back in that regard. Yeah, they got to bring back the takes no talent wall. The the TNT wall. Yeah, they got to do some sprints. Yeah, uh, it's it's really it's a little and, and it's tackling, you know, missed tackles and Justin Coleman. I, oh, I, couldn't, man. I couldn't let oh, this episode man. go without me. I, I I ripped him a little bit in the preseason, but it's the preseason, so I didn't, you know, belabor it. Plus, I thought for sure this guy is basically just our fourth corner, if not our fifth corner, so I'm not going to, like, go crazy on it. But at this point, he's getting more playing time. He's playing more snaps than Nick Needham. And every time this guy's on the field, he's miss. This guy does not know how to tackle. He's either missing a tackle or he's grabbing a guy by the helmet to try to make a tackle. This guy cannot tackle. He does not need. He there, he should not be playing over Nick Needham. No, absolutely, and he should absolutely be playing right over McCordy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So yeah, I, I, this, this Justin Coleman experiment, uh, I'm over it because he's not that good in coverage. And at some point, you have decent coverage, but the guy catches the ball. You you could stop him for a four-yard gain if you can tackle. But if you can't tackle, it's going for 20 yards, so you might as well, you know, not be covering him. So, uh, you know, Justin Coleman sucks. You know, uh, you, know that, you know that meme where it's the two muscle guys 
and they're like doing the wrist thing and they're like joining hands in the middle and the meme is like it's like you got one thing and then another thing and then right in the middle is the thing that they have in common yes well one arm the miami dolphins the other arm it's the miami hurricanes right in the middle they are locked hands together missing tackles and just being uh poor <laughs> just not not being very good not just, being very good football teams and disappointing their fan oh and having delusional fan bases that think yeah, they're well, better than they are yeah yeah that's true i mean it's it's kind of a sad state of affairs so that's where we're at right now we're kind of we're kind of just sitting here waiting for this team to to turn around right i mean listen it's been disappointing it's been a disappointing start here these last couple of weeks i think you know some people optim were were hoping that the dolphins were going to light it up in new england and they didn't they just barely you know they escaped new england with a hard fought win and that's a big divisional win although uh look <laughs> there we go fireman sub- subscribe <laughs> yeah well i think we're at that point now where you listen you, with with the hurricane another thing the hurricanes the dolphins firing a head coach after three to four seasons Right. That's kind of where we're at. And if this, if we continue on the trend we're at, and I'm not saying Chris, uh, Brian Flores is getting fired this season. Right. Although if the Dolphins somehow finish below 500 and, and, and don't make the playoffs, there's, there's going to be, that's a hot seat. I'm not saying he's, I'm not saying Brian Flores is safe. I, there is absolutely a situation where we get to the end of this season and things fl- like if, if things, if they don't write the ship significantly, over the course of the rest of this season, there was a strong argument to be made that, what are you guys doing? Time to blow it up again. Well, we, we talked about this, uh, I think it was after the, the Buffalo game. Um, it, it was either after the Buffalo game or in the pre- – I think it was after the Buffalo game, where the issue there is that we've been doing this mixing and matching of GMs and coaches, and the yeah. Dolphins – had the opportunity to clean house after they got rid of Tannenbaum and they didn't because Chris Greer has been here now since what, 2003 or so. And so instead of cleaning house, they kept a GM that really had no business becoming the GM or, or keeping his job at GM, but they brought in Brian Flores and they seem to be, you know, working with some synergy and having this clear vision. And the problem is, is that there's one clear scapegoat if this team ends up going like 500 or like eight and nine, nine and eight and missing the playoffs. Uh, the clear scapegoat is going to be Greer because of the failed draft picks. I mean, you just have to look at Austin Jackson and Noah Igbenogany. And if God forbid Tua doesn't, you know, end up lighting the world on fire, you're looking at a draft of three first round picks that you didn't hit on any. I mean, that's yep. a fireable offense. You, you botched a read. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so the, the problem is, is then if you fire Chris Greer, then you almost, you, you, you put yourself in a position where you almost have to fire Brian Flores just to finally clear house and get a GM and a coach that are, that are on the same page because you don't want to do this whole mixing and matching game again. But we're not there yet. And we'll have plenty of time when the Dolphins, you know, blow the, the last three games of the season to finish nine and eight and not make the playoffs to talk about whether or not they should fire Chris Greer or Brian Flores. Uh, the fact is. This season is still there for them. It obviously doesn't look very good right now. Um, and you shouldn't feel very optimistic 
um, about things, but you also shouldn't be ready to, to jump off a cliff with this team either. Uh, if they lose next week, then it's time to hit the panic button. Yes. Uh, as but, I said on, as we said on Twitter, this isn't a must win game next week because I don't, I, I don't believe in must win games unless the season ends with a loss. Then it's a must win game, but it's pretty close. You lose this game to the Colts. You're in a bad way. If you're talking about must-win games in week four, you already know where your team is. Exactly. Exactly right. I mean, right. Th- th- can we stop? Like, if you are talking about a must-win game in week four, you're you're not talking about a team that's very good. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, you know, listen, it, there's a long way to go. There's a long way to go. And I'm not saying that I'm expecting the Dolphins to right the ship. I'm just saying there's a lot of time left for them to do just that. If they're going to, there's still a lot of room for that. And, you know, as far as kind of where my head is right now, the name of this show is the same old Dolphin show. And we have we have had a number of conversations with a lot of different people about, I got really ought to change the name of your show. You really got to change the name of the show because they're not the same old Dolphins anymore. And I'm like, you know what? They're the same old dolphins until they prove otherwise. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love the dolphins. I love I would love nothing more for them to not be the same old dolphins. Right? I there's nothing I would love more than to, than to cheer for a dolphins team that is again routinely winning 11, 12, 13 games and making deep playoff runs. Right? Is there anything more same old dolphins than the fan base saying, hey, you need to change the name because these aren't the same old dolphins in September and October? Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get back to me in December and January and tell me to change the name of the damn show. Yeah. Hey, win a freaking playoff game. Win right. a playoff game and then we'll consider it. Yeah. I'll tell you what. The dolphins go and they win the Super Bowl. We'll have a conversation about changing the name of the show. Okay, we'll have a conversation. Right now, like I said, they're the same old dolphins until they prove they're not the same old dolphins. What do you want? What do you want from me? I w- I would love for them to not be the same old dolphins. People think it's a ne- like it's this awful thing that we have no faith in the team, and maybe to a certain extent, there's truth to that. But why should we? I mean, <laughs> why should we? If if we had faith in the team, we like I don't know how the people that have faith in the team, I don't know how they do it. Yeah, like, I mean, it's it's like I'm like we we all do this thing, and we did it this week. <laughs> we literally did it this week. Oh yeah, where oh, we yeah. said where we were really pissed off after the Buffalo game, and then you know the next day we were still really pissed off, but then the next day we were like, okay, it's just one game. Buffalo was really good. The Raiders aren't that good. We can do this. We started to get ourselves juiced up, and we're like, you know what? Th- we're gonna we're gonna surprise some people. We, I, I asked a question on Sunday. Hey Twitter, hey Dolphins Twitter, how you feeling? Surprisingly optimistic. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like this this fan base. It it is unreal how a how a fan base of a team that has not won a playoff game in 20 years can somehow careen back and forth between absolute misery and we need to fire the whole staff. We need to blow this thing up. Oh, to hey. It's going to be okay. This Brain. year, it's different. This week, Brain. it's different. It's go- we, we got this. Brain. Brain. 
there is a there is a a vision of the future where the Dolphins come into this home game and like win convincingly over Indianapolis this week. There is a version, there is a sequence of events where that happens, right? I, I it, believe is, it's going to happen. What? I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I there is a, there is a world where the Miami Dolphins come home and just absolutely stomp a mud hole in the Indianapolis Colts. And it becomes very convincing because the Colts, the, the, in spite of the fact that they're 0-3, have actually been at least reasonably competitive in all their games, right? So there is a world where the Dolphins stomp a mud hole in, in the Colts. And the narrative for the whole rest of the week is going to be, let me tell you why this Miami Dolphins team is going to go into Tampa and beat the living crap at Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's going to be the narrative. And then it doesn't happen. And then you're going to go, God, I really hope we can go to and, and somehow find a way to beat Jacksonville in London next week. <laughs> we'll, we'll be here through it all. We'll be here to, to celebrate uh, uh, you know, a meaningless, you know, not meaningless, but we'll, we'll be here to celebrate this victory uh, this against the, I, I don't want to sit here and call them any Dolphins game a victory after the way we've looked the last listen, two weeks, but I, I'm not going to be surprised. We're going to win. And then we'll be here for all of the excitement leading up to this is going to be a big game. Hey, Brady struggles when he plays the Dolphins in Florida absolutely. because it's not, it's a road game, but it's not in New England. It's in Florida. Uh, and so. You know, we'll get the, the delusional fan base. We'll get going. And then when we get stomped and Gronk catches three touchdown passes, uh, we'll be here to let you know. Hey, come Absolutely. On, we and, and lest anybody think we're taking a shot at, at, at members of the Dolphins fan community. No, we love everybody. We love all the Dolphin fans. We love the Dolphin fans who are hopelessly optimistic, and we love the Dolphin fans who are super, super negative. And you know, the, the, you know, you know the Dolphin fans I'm talking about. The Dolphin fans that Tua could throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns, but fumbled the ball late in the game, and he needs to be replaced by Deshaun Watson. You need, listen. We love everybody. Okay. At the end of the day, we all want to see the Dolphins do well. That's it. Right. That's what we want. And we have a lot of fun doing the show. And we like, you know, at this point, we ride the roller coaster. We ride the wave of the dolphins. And we get our hearts broken. And we feel like crap. And then we 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 shake it off. We run it off. We drink it off. Whatever you do. You know, you manscape it off. Whatever you do. You come back. And you're still here. And you're still watching those Miami Dolphins. Because at the end of the day, there's that little bit of hope that maybe, just maybe, just maybe, they won't disappoint us and they won't be the same old dolphins. And as and as our friend here is has said in the chat, it could be a lot worse. We could be Jets fans. You know? And that's how we're gonna leave it. So just a reminder to everybody, if you haven't done so, if you haven't done so already, make sure you follow us at Amplified to Rock, at Aaron the Brain. That's at AA Ron the Brain, at Same Old Dolphins, Dolphins Talk YouTube. Hit subscribe to the channel. Turn on notifications so you get notified every time we go live. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere that you get your podcast. Hey, go over to BetUS. Use the promo code, the sign-up code DolphinsTalk at 125% sign-up bonus. And listen, if you've been following the advice of David Behrman on at, uh, on Pick 6 with David Behrman here on the Dolphins Talk YouTube channel, hey, 
you've been uh, you've been doing pretty well. So maybe head on over to BetUS and, and use some of that advice. And of course, go to Manscaped.com and use the promo code DolphinSock. You'll save 20% off, get free shipping, and you'll have beautiful, beautiful balls. And everybody will be so proud of you. Brian, any parting words for the people before we uh, before we head out of here tonight? No, I mean, just, you know, try not to get too down. I know it's I know it's difficult, but uh, you got a very winnable game. Uh, and and if you really uh, find yourself getting getting really down because, you know, everything that you read about the Dolphins is just depressing you, then seriously, go watch an episode of, uh, you know, the Bravo Real Housewives. And it'll just, you know, put everything back in perspective. You know, have hashtag, a good hashtag real men watch Bravo. Right. Well, I guess I'm not a real man because I don't watch Bravo. You you can be, though. I can be. <laughs> you know, get myself all manscaped and turn on Bravo. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. Go to be watching Bravo. Got my BetUS open. Got my manscaped. Got my lawnmower 4.0. You know, it's a beautiful time. It's a beautiful time. All right, my friends. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. We appreciate you. We love you. We thank you. And God, I hope the Dolphins win next Sunday. We're going to be back later this week to talk about it. So make sure that you're subscribed to the show. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got Dolphins, the greatest of all teams. Take the ball from goal to goal.